How many of you would say, um, like, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer, but I probably um, don't pray as much as I would like to or should or whatever the case is. How many of you would be honest enough to say that that's you? I'm raising my hands, okay? A lot of you, yeah. Um, now, the question is, why? Like, why is that a thing? Why is it that, that we know, a lot of us do at least, that we have a good father, a God who answers the prayers of his children, and yet so many of us don't pray like we want to or like we should, and why don't we pray first? Why isn't prayer our first response to just kind of everything that comes along in life? Now, there are probably a lot of reasons, but let me offer a few, at least from, from my own perspective. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person who would say, I didn't grow up praying. I didn't have parents who prayed. If they did pray, I didn't either see them. I didn't hear them. Um, I grew up with parents who prayed, but they would kind of pray off in their own little area, and so I didn't really hear them uh, other than to hear every now and then, like, God, make Danny a better son. You know, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, they didn't pray that. Uh, maybe they did, but I didn't hear them if they did. Anyways, um, like, I didn't hear it. So a lot of you would say, I don't know how to pray, or I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Like, I don't know if I'm doing it right, or am I supposed to say certain words? Am I supposed to read some scriptures? So there's just a sense of, like, am I doing it right? And so kind of we lose our track, and we don't pray very much. Maybe um, some of you would say, uh, I actually get bored while I pray, and that's why I don't. Like, let's just, it's... Anybody besides me ever fall asleep while you're praying? Come on, just be honest real quick. It's New Year's Eve. Let's just get it off our chests. Enter the new year honest, right? Right? And it's like the worst, right? Oh, God, I love you. You know, you're awesome. You know, every now and then. And, and, you know, if you did this with your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, it would be really bad for you. Am I right? Um, and like, but sometimes I'm laying before the Lord, you know, uh, and the next thing I know, I'm just mumbling nonsensical things, and then it's like I woke up and I was like, I just prayed all night long, man. Check me out, you know? <laughs> Not really. Um, yeah, so, and, and the other issue that I can have for me is that, um, and some of you can relate to this, is I'm, I've never been formally diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I'm pretty sure that it's a thing in my life. Um, like, so anyways, that can crop up into my prayer time. I'd be like, I'd be like Lord, thanks for the steak, squirrel, you know, and then, and I pray a lot of times at our offices, and it's on land, and, and there's literally squirrels running around everywhere, and so I'm literally, like, looking around at squirrels, and this morning I was praying, and I just kept looking out the window, because I saw some deer when I came in, and I was trying to see if they were there, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm praying. Like, I'll be in the middle of a sentence, and I'll be like, hey, what was I saying to you, you know, and then it's like, help me, help me out, because I got no idea what I was saying. Like, I do that sometimes even when I'm preaching. Um, that's how bad it is. <laughs> You guys have heard me do that. And then there's um, public prayer, like praying with other people. Like I grew up uh, in a kind of church where we went to prayer meeting. Um, I don't, you guys don't, may not know about that. And, but if you've ever been part of that, that can be an awkward thing, right? Because we always held hands at our church. And, and like, I don't know why we did that, but it was always like every service, take your neighbor by the hand and let's pray. And, and you're like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't know this person. And you're always concerned about whose hand you're holding and like what they do with that hand, you know? And did they wash it? Or, or like for me, it would always be like you get sweaty palm guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is his hand so wet? What's going on in there that it's all muggy like that in there? It's like humid. Like you can feel the humidity in the air from his hands. Or like you get the dude who likes to squeeze really hard when he prays and the louder he prays, the harder he squeezes. And it's like, Dude, what's happening right now? And you're like, 
pull your hand out and it's like all mangled and whatnot. And dude's like trying to make it manly to hold hands with another dude. So he's like, I gotta squeeze it really hard to show that I'm a man. You know, it's like, I don't wanna hold hands with those people. If it's a girl, you know, when you're you know, a dude, it's like a pretty girl, like, hey, I'll use this as an excuse, but it's always palm guy, sweaty palm, crusher, or your mother. Come on, can I? Mom's looking down to see if you're praying, like thumping you on the head if you're not. And you're just mumbling things just so you shouldn't get thumped. That was my childhood. Anyways, um, maybe you had a different one. Um, in the church I grew up in, you know, we would pray, these guys, people would pray loud, loudly. Like, you know, I, I like to pray like over here in my own little area, but people would be walking around kind of praying loud and they'd pray fancy, you know, and we would have like, we would have like the King James version of the Bible was like the Bible that we were supposed to all use. And so people would pray like that. You ever heard anybody pray like this? Oh God, thou art a terrible God, you know? And like this one guy would pray that and he's like, everybody's ducking, like he's gonna get lightning bolt and I don't wanna be close by when he gets bolted, you know? Or like, like dudes would be like just better at prayer than me and you would be like know it immediately because they would be like, like, like quoting scriptures, Father God, like in the name of Jesus, Deuteronomy 28 says that we're blessed coming in and we're blessed going out and they get like a song going on. We're the head and we're not the tail and they're just like calling down angels and, and like binding demons and stuff. And you're like, dude, that's, that's really good. You know what I'm saying? That's a good prayer. Like if I was God, I would answer that because that's so good, you know? And then I'm just like, hey, whatever that guy said, amen to all of that. That's, that's, that's what I'm throwing out there. And so you get intimidated. You know, like I can't pray like that, so I'm just not gonna pray at all. Um, now, I don't know if you've ever had frustrations like that, or maybe you're like, uh, I have no respect for my pastor anymore, apparently. Like, I don't know what happened right now, but I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Maybe, maybe you're um, a little cynical or a little suspicious about prayer, um, maybe because you prayed about something that was very important to you, and you prayed about it a long time, and it didn't happen, or it didn't, you didn't get the answer that you wanted, or you didn't feel like you heard anything back from God. And you're left thinking, man, like, why didn't God do something about that? Like, that was, like, of all the things that people pray about, this was very valid. Like, I, I can imagine that every person in the room who's ever made prayer a part of your life would have that kind of a story where I prayed for that, and he didn't do what I wanted to. And some of you are still waiting for that, and some of you are still dealing with that, and some of you are sitting next to that. Some of you are wondering if God listens, or if he really cares, or if he does, like, if he's, is he really even involved in our lives? Um... Just a quick show of hands and just participate if this is you. How many of you have ever felt like any of that? Like, does God hear? Does he know? Does he care? Yeah, yeah a lot of us. Um, we've all had questions and we've wrestled with the idea of, does God listen? Does he care? Will this get answered? Will this, is this even worth my time? And we run this risk of, man, if I pray and nothing happens, then my faith is going to get jacked up and, or we'll be disappointed and, and so oftentimes, because of all that, we'll move prayer to the kind of margins of our lives. And, or we'll only pray in moments of desperation or of great difficulty. And, and, and matter of fact, if you look through the scriptures, regardless of what you think about the Bible or whether you're a Bible person or not, if you just open up the pages of the Bible and start to look at the stories of the Bible, from, from Adam and Eve talking to God in the garden, right, to Abraham talking to God along his journey from Moses talking to God in the burning bush. All of these interactions are kind of, of, of interactions between God and people. They're almost prayer-like. Matter of fact, it's such a big deal prayer is in the Bible that there are books of prayer, like the book of Psalms, which is a collection of prayers or in, in the form of songs. Um, and if you look at the life of Jesus, right, the one thing D Jesus did more than any other thing is 
is he prayed. Like even when the crowds would gather around him and be asking him for stuff, even when life was frantic and, and super busy, even when the demands of life were so, so high, he would withdraw away and he would pray. It was just part of who he was. It was part of what made him who he was. It was his rhythm. Jesus believed that prayer matters. He believed it mattered, and, which is why the disciples one day, who grew up praying, I promise you, because Jewish boys grew up praying, and, women, and, and the girls did as well, and they memorized prayers. It was just part of their tradition. And they come to Jesus one day and say, hey, Lord, we've been praying, but when we watch you pray, we think you do it differently and better than us. And so they say, in Luke 11, teach us to pray. And in Matthew's gospel as well. Teach us to pray. Matter of fact, if you look at all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, there's only one recorded request of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them something. Like they watched him uh, preach, they watched him heal, they watched him calm storms, they watched him raise people from the dead. And not once in the gospels do we find them saying, hey, teach us how to preach, Teach us how to pray for these people over here so that we'll get healed. None of that. Just simply teach us to pray. It's like they could see in Jesus' prayers something about the genesis of his power, the source of his power, the, his perspective, his sense of peace, his sense of calm, even when things were frantic. And they wanted to learn how to pray like Jesus. So he taught them something we, we all call the Lord's Prayer, which is really an unfortunate thing to call it because he actually didn't, it wasn't his prayer. It was like, here, here's, this is how I want you to pray. It was a gift to us, to his disciples. And so next Sunday, by the way, we'll be embarking on a, something we do annually called a Pray First campaign. So 21 days, January 7th through the 27th of, of prayer where we just focus as a church, praying together, meeting here together on Saturdays, the three Saturdays of that uh, of the month, um, those first three Saturdays, we'll be praying here from nine to 10 and we'll have music. It'll be, it'll be awesome. It'll be worth your time, I promise, for you to come. And um, we're just, we wanna start the year off with prayer. That's why I wanna talk about it today. And we're gonna fast. Um, a lot of you don't know what fasting is um, or you've you heard fasting like because you had to do some blood work. Like you don't get to eat until the blood work goes and you, that's like the hungriest morning of your life, am I right? You're like so hungry by the time you get there, you're about to faint and then they take your blood and you actually do faint and that's a whole other problem. Um, but we do this thing called the Daniel Fast, which is based from the book of Daniel, 21 days of a specific kind of eating that he did uh, during those 21 days. And matter of fact, in your LifePoint notes, we put a, a, a website there. You can go to daniel-fast.com, I think it is, or danielfast.com, one of those two. Um, and if you want to fast with us, man, we would love for you to do that. And it's just, first of all, it's healthy. It's good, um, assuming that you can medically do that. But it's a good thing for you. This Daniel Fest is very good. It's basically like a very strict vegan kind of a diet. Very healthy, very good for you. And I think it'll help us all as a church to just start the year off right. It's a great habit to start with. And so I, as a pastor, just want so desperately for the folks who call this church home um, to, to grow in their relationship with Jesus, to, to be rooted in the good soil of their faith. And I know that prayer is such a key component. So I'm gonna just make a series of observations about prayer that I've learned um, from the scriptures from my own life. And you already know that I'm not a guru on this, so I'm not trying to pretend like I am. I'm actually working to train myself to be stronger in my prayer life. And, you know, I, I used to just try to pray. Um, and, but Paul says to Timothy, his son of the gospel, he says, train yourself to be godly. In other words, take small steps 
um, to train yourself how to do something big. That's, that's how we do marathons. That's how we do everything big in life. We, we take small steps to train ourselves to do it, and that's what I'm working on. So the, my first observation is just to pray authentically. Like pray in a way that's true of you, like not just mimicking somebody else. Or, and, and that's fine for a while, but at some point, learn to pray in your own voice, in your own words. Um, now, why, why, why would I say that? Well, because so oftentimes we, we don't. We don't pray authentically. R- remember when Jesus does the Lord's Prayer, if you remember this, he starts off before he starts saying, this then is how you should pray, right? Before he gets to there, he spends four verses saying, this is how you don't pray. Like, he spends time teaching them how not to pray. And he gives them basically two instructions. There's, it's different language, but the first one is, first of all, just don't think of it as a kind of performance for other people. He says, don't go praying out in front of people and on the streets, you know, so they can see you and do it. He says, don't, 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 don't pray as a performance. Did you ever notice how when, if you've ever heard people pray, sometimes their prayer tone, their tone will change, like their voice, their accent even will change. I used to know this guy, when I was about 18 years old, he was maybe 17, he's like, man, I'm gonna preach, man. I was like, awesome, dude. And, uh, and then when I, he would start to pray after that out loud, and he didn't used to do that, and he would pray like in a totally different voice and a different accent. It's like, I was thinking, God, do you even know who this guy is right now? Because he's like, that's a different voice. And he was like trying to pray like his favorite preacher preached. I was like, nah, brah, just pray your own voice. You know what I'm saying? The, the other thing, is, is, is that, so, so Jesus says it's not a performance. Don't pray like it's a performance. And number two, he says, don't worry about using the right words. He actually gets onto a group of people in this verse where they're, he says they're just praying these repetitious, and he's like, just don't worry about using the right words. It's not, you know, and some of us are like, what should I say? Should I cite some scripture? And maybe you heard somebody else praying and they're, they're, they're saying all the names of God and all the attributes of God. Like, you know, God, you're omnipotent, you're omniscient, you're omnivorous, you know, or like, like, like I don't know if he's omnivorous or not. I don't know if he eats anything or not, but like, there's a bunch of alms, and so they went with that, you know? Like, don't reach for words. Just, just be authentic, right? Just pray authentically true to yourself. The, the second observa- observation, and this is kind of where I want to hang out today, is pray bold and big prayers. Pray bold and big prayers. You know, and, and here's why I say that. I wonder if our prayer becomes like this lucky rabbit's foot deal, like where if I get the right combination of coins, I can push the cosmic vending machine to get what I want, and it just becomes this bless me, help me, go with me, be with me, and, and, and it's like God's going, hey, man, I blessed you. Look at you. Look around your, in, in the world, and this country that you live in, that you're part of, is the most blessed financially of any country in the world, really, and, and by the way, I promised I'd never leave you or forsake you, so you don't have to constantly say to me, be with me. I'm with you. I promise I'll go to the ends of the world for you. Like, that's good, but let's graduate from that. Let's, let's, let's get a little bit bigger. I, I know this can be true of my own life. Um, so often my prayers kind of gather around this very small sphere of my personal concerns and wants and, and desires and my pains and my problems. And, and, and I'm confident that God is like, okay, let's do that, but then let's, let's graduate. Let's do, let's do bigger than that. Let's, let's think about the world. Let's think about the problems of the, of the world. Let's pray about that. Matter of fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples about prayer, he starts in Matthew chapter six, he says, verse nine, this then is how you should pray, right? He tells us what not to do, and then he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, and I'm gonna come back to that in just a second. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the idea was he's saying, I want you to pray, bring heaven down to earth. However it is up there, bring it down to earth. And, and by the way, just as an aside here, he says, when you pray, remember who you're praying to. 
says, Jesus says, call him Father, our Father. He, he does this over and over again. You can pray to your Father. And this is to remind you that you're not praying to some abstract, unknowable being out in the universe, right? Father reminds us that God is a person who can be known. And, and when Jesus is teaching us to pray in this manner, he, he's saying basically it's going to be a lot like you going back to being like when you were when you were a little kid, right? You're going to be a child again to, to, to run to a parent who loves you and is always available to talk. Like even if your parent, your father wasn't like that, Jesus is saying your heavenly father is. You can always come to him. You can always know that he's available to you. He's hearing what you're saying and he loves you. So back to Jesus's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like that's a really big prayer. That's a really bold prayer. That's a, a prayer that we, we would pray that we'd risk. I don't know if that's ever going to be answered because it's so big, it's so bold, and you're like, what if God doesn't come through? So, so then, so much of our prayer then can become this kind of calculated and measured thing. Like, I, I wanna pray in a way that it's possible, you know, that it could happen, and I won't have to be disappointed. I wanna pray in such a way that if God doesn't, want to do anything about this, then he doesn't have to. It's like we want to pray prayers that let God off the hook, and he's like, don't do that. Jesus is saying, I want you to pray that heaven would come down and change the way. Like, when, when Jesus says heaven on earth, basically, he's saying we can pray, Father, bring justice to all the injustices that happen in our country and our world. Like, pray about that. Pray, Father, restore families. Father, help us to, to eradicate hunger, right? Help us, Father, to protect the children and the orphans and the kids who are in the margins. Father, help us to redeem lost humanity. Father, lower divorce rates. Father, change the, the education systems in the world. Father, end violence and, and abuse and racial divide. Like, Father, help us in this area. Like, those are big things. And that's what, when Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven, that's what he's talking about, that kind of stuff, right? It, it puts so much of what we worry about into its proper perspective when we say, Father, would you help us? Not just bless me, give me, help me, bless this food, but God, God, use me to help change the world. That's the kind of prayers he's, he's asking us to pray. I, I think with Jesus' prayer, he was asking us to say, hey, ask me for something that will help show off my glory when I help you do it. Do stuff that people will go, man, there's no way that you could have done that without some kind of miraculous intervention. Like, and, and why is it then that we shortchange the power of a God who said, with me, nothing's impossible? Like, like why, why do we shortchange it with, with, with these small, vague prayers? Like, I, I wonder if the lack of specificity and the, and the breadth, of, breadth of possibility ever like, is insulting to a God who said, I can do so much more if only you would ask and believe. So don't be afraid to ask. You ever had a moment when you were wanting to pray about something or you were wanting something to happen in your life? You're like, I don't know if I should pray about this. Maybe it's a little audacious. Maybe God doesn't want to do this. I'm afraid to ask. But did you notice, if you've ever read the Lord's Prayer or if you've ever quoted it, you probably did if you grew up somewhere in church, it was basically one phrase after another, a series, rather, of requests. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. It's just over and over again. It's like a list of, of, of requests. And, and that gets to the core dynamic of prayer that it's oftentimes a request. It's basically asking. He's like, don't be afraid to ask. And, and so some of you say, well, I don't know, man. 
I'm going to need some permission around this. But, 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 but so listen to the Apostle Paul. This is how he put it in Philippians chapter 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, and if you're an underliner in your Bibles or your notes, like underline that or highlight it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, which is just repetition, meaning you, pr- you pray about the same thing sometimes over and over again. Because oftentimes, and here's another dynamic of prayer, is that oftentimes prayer involves waiting. And that's the part we don't like. We want to, like, God, I want to pray about this, and then, bam, you magic it, you lightning bolt it down, and there it is. You know, it's like a microwave. That's not, it doesn't work like that. Oftentimes, it's waiting, and there's a petition involved. And petitions are when you go out and get a lot of weight added to a paper. Like, we want to change things, and so we want to have a petition. And the more names that you have, the more weight the petition carries. Is that right? And that's how prayer is. Sometimes it's just like that. I keep praying for the same thing over and over. So, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Meaning I'm thankful for what he's already done and what he's already given me. He says, present your requests. In every situation, present your requests. Like, aren't you glad that's in the Bible? In every situation, you can ask. So, so for me this year, I'm thinking about some big things. I'm praying for God to help us get in our new building that we're about to start, just waiting on that last permit still. Apparently, they don't do much in the holidays. But anyways, I'm praying that we can get into that space because I know that when we do, we're gonna, blow in, uh, we're gonna grow in such a way that just blows our minds. Like God's gonna do amazing things where we're gonna see hundreds of people come to the faith, right? And, and, and people baptized like crazy. And by the way, we saw hundreds of people come to faith this year, over 200 this year alone. Amen, somebody? 2017. I'm praying and we're talking about it already, but we're, we're surrounding it with prayer that one year from the day that we get into that building, we launch campus number two uh, in a neighborhood or in a small town nearby that needs the influence that God's given our church. Like, we want to do that. And, and we know that's going to take people praying and people going, hey, you know what? Hey, I'll move over. I'll, I'll, I'll go to a church over on Petrenko in 1604 and 90 in 1604 and Bandera or wherever God tells us to go. Like, I want to be part of something like that. And it takes prayer. And that's what we're praying about. I, I'm praying for God to send us a, a huge influx of, of cash to come and do some crazy stuff. Not because not we're trying to get rich, because we ain't going to get rich. Amen. My wife said, can say amen on that. Right? Right? But I'm praying for funds to hire more pastors and more staff, because we need that so desperately here. More funds to accelerate the vision God's given us to make a huge difference in the city, to feed and clothe and educate and provide um, resources for people who are struggling to help themselves. We do this on a small scale now, but I'm dreaming of a time when we can do this on a massive scale, not only here, but around the world. I- I'm praying that God will give us a huge gift that comes from somewhere. Like, I- I'll tell you what I pray for. I've been praying about it for several years now. Now, a seven-figure gift from somewhere. I know that sounds crazy, and you're like, well, whatever, dude. You shouldn't have probably said that out loud. I'm, I'm going to tell you that's what I'm praying about. God's done it for friends of mine. I have a friend in Houston. Their church, when, when we had the recession, when it was all in the middle of that, they were about to lose their church because so many people in their church had lost their jobs, and, and their, their church is very affected by the oil markets because of Houston's very oil-centric. And they were about to lose their building for, because of this. And they were going to lose it. They had to go to the bank on Monday and deliver money. And if they didn't have it, they were going to, they were going to foreclose. And, and they had it. They didn't have it. And on that Sunday, this guy calls the pastor, a buddy of mine, and says, hey, can you meet me at the church? I, I just sold some land. I want to be a blessing. <clears throat> and so this guy shows up <clears throat> to his church, and he says, look, man, I got a thing for fours. And he slides a check over it uh, across the desk for $4,444,444.44. 
And they took that check and they paid off their building and their building was saved because of that, that check. Like, all I'm saying is, is God can do it for him. God can do something like that for us. Amen, somebody? Eight people believe it with me. All right. This isn't about... This isn't about money for church. This is about money to do crazy good stuff for God's kingdom, his name, and fame. Amen? Right? So many of us pray these very small and very sort of vague general prayers. And I'm going to encourage you to pray big and specific prayers because oftentimes general prayers do not move God to specific actions. Can I say that again? General prayers like vague, hey, help me, bless me, like they don't often move God to specific actions. Like if you want God to do something specific, pray specific things. God, not bless me, but God bless this. Bless my home, bless my finances, bless my career, bless my kids, bless my relationship, whatever it is. Pray around that. Be specific and pray big, bold moves. You know, James, the, the, the little brother of Jesus, he says in his letter in the New Testament, he says in James 4, this is the second half of the verse too. He says, ready? You do not have, why? Because you do not ask, right? Somebody might say, well, what does that verse mean? Well, I think it means you do not have because you do not ask. Can I get an amen on that? That's what I think. It's, it's really hard to imagine, right? M- meaning, I think Jesus is saying through James that there is a cost to not asking. There's a price to be paid for not asking. Why? 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 Because your prayers, they matter, man. Listen, if you take nothing else with you home today, Take this, your prayers matter. Your prayers about your work or your job or your relationship, your prayers about your family, your prayers about your future, your prayers about your health, your prayers matter. They matter. So then there's a cost to not praying. There's a cost to not asking. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. That's what Jesus said. And my prayer over us as a church is that in 2018 is that we pray big and bold and specific prayers where when they, become, when they get answered, there's no way anybody could deny that, that that must have been the hand of God because we know full well we couldn't have done that on our own. And don't you want that? Like, like as a believer, I know not everybody's a believer in here, but th- those of us who are, man, as a believer, I want to be able to pass on to my kids a legacy of look what God did. Not look what dad did, but look what God did. Look what he did that there's no way dad could have done. Or mom could have done. That's, that's what I want for my family. You know, I once heard someone say, what you're doing isn't really worth doing if you can do it without prayer. Like, like I think that that's true. If, 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 if you can do what you do without the help of God, it's probably a small thing you're doing, and it could be so much bigger if you let God get involved in it. That's the way I want us to think as a church. We want what we're doing to be to require big, bold, God-sized prayers. God, we want to see heaven on earth in our country. God, we want to see heaven on earth in our neighborhoods that you've called us to reach. God, we want you to do things on our behalf that we could never do on our own. We want to help people. We want to reach people. We want to fight against injustice. We want to do this all in the name of Jesus, and we're going to need your help to do it, God. In order to see that, we're going to have to learn how to pray in such a way that we tap into the power of God. So, so just for the last few minutes here, turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter three. If you've got it on your phone, you can look at it on the screen, it's in your notes. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And I've preached from it so many times, but I wanna do it again here just for a minute. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. Paul is writing this letter to his friends at Ephesus. <clears throat> and he intends for this letter to get circulated to all these other churches that he's formed in that area. And he's praying these pra- this prayer for these people. And he writes this prayer down so that they'll, hear, they'll know what he's praying about. He says in verse 14, for this reason, 
I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. So just first takeaway is you, you can kneel, you can stand, you can walk around, you can sit, you can drive when you pray. Just when you drive, like just keep your eyes open for the rest of us. Can I get an amen on that? Just pray with your eyes open. Jesus said, watch and pray. That's all I'm throwing out there. Just leaving that for you right there. Um, so, but in this particular case, Paul decides to kneel when he's praying. And, and I would encourage you when you pray to just sort of mix that up. Like maybe stand, maybe sit, maybe pray, maybe like whatever, how, kneel. Like sometimes, depending on what I'm praying about, will depend, will dictate to me the, the posture of my prayer. And so like occasionally I'll get on my knees because I focus better when I do that because um, I'm super like distracted as I'm walking around. But like when I come here, I, all I see is black, you know, so I just walk around and pray out here. But, but for me, when I kneel, it's like I'm just showing reverence to God who created the heavens and the earth, by the way, the Bible says. And, and, and I, I'm giving him focus and, and I'm giving my, my attention to him and I'm saying, you're great. And, and I'm not, by the way, and I just need you right now. And that's just what I do. So this is what Paul's doing. And so in verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, like maybe underline that or circle that his like out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with what? With power. Everybody say power. Power through his spirit in your inner being. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, when Paul is praying this, he's recognizing that his heavenly father is, has every spiritual blessing like available to us. Matter of fact, earlier in Ephesians, he says, I thank my God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In other words, he's saying God has already made available every spiritual gift, every blessing that you and I are ever going to need. It's already made available to, to us through, by God that we have to ask and we have to believe and we have to pray for it, but it's made available. That's like who we're praying to. That's why it's important for us to, to know who we're praying to. And in Philippians 4, Paul says, my God, will meet or supply all of your needs according to or in accordance to his riches, right? To the degree of his riches, not just money. And that's not what even we're talking about here. We're talking about his spiritual blessings. So we serve an infinitely spiritually rich heavenly father. And yet, and so many of us are living like spiritually impoverished children. Like we serve a God who has every spiritual blessing available to us in the heavenly realms, Paul says, and his desire is to give us those blessings and often we're not receiving them because we're praying small and vague, generally general prayers. Verse 16 again, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now why does he pray this? Look at this pattern here. Paul has these patterns when he would, he would pray for his churches he would praise these patterns. He would say, the reason is that I'm praying for this power to be born is so that the rest of uh, uh, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that God would strengthen you with power and here's what I want to happen so that Christ would be strengthened in your, your, in, in your hearts through faith. And this is this pattern. I'm praying this very specific thing because I want this very specific thing to happen. And that's the way we pray. God, I need this to happen so that this will occur in my, in my life or in the life of my world. So the, the Greek word translated as power here is the word dunamis from which we get our word dynamite, which is explosive power. And here, it's not talking about like natural power, human power. It's talking about the spiritual, supernatural power uh, of God. And I'm praying that 
over my life this year uh, because I need God's power. Like as a pastor, I need God's power. I desperately need the power of God in my preaching. Like it can't just be like some words that I threw together. It's gotta be God working through me. I need the power of God in my parenting. Like those of you who are parents, like they didn't come with a, with a handbook. And like I don't always, I'm sorry kids, I don't always know what I'm doing. You know, I'm just sort of making it up as I go along, just FYI. You're welcome for that. Um, so I need, I need God's power in my parenting. I need God's power in my marriage. I, I need God's power to overcome the temptations that come to us as men and women. I need the power to stand strong against the spiritual adversary that's waging war against our lives. I need more power than I have just in my natural self. I need power and so do you, right? In fact, I'm really praying that so many of us in our church in 2018 would have a deeper and more meaningful encounter with the Holy Spirit this year. Like that it wouldn't just be us singing a song at church, but it's I'm dwelling in the presence of God. I feel the manifest presence of God. Like I'm hearing his voice. And, and he's, his spirit is leading and guiding me as he promised he would. When I'm reading his word, it's like it's, it's jumping off the pages of the book uh, to encourage me or to convict me of sins or, or, or he's leading me into the right places because I've been walking down the wrong roads. I'm having the faith to do things that would seem to be impossible for me to do otherwise. We need a powerful encounter with God. And that comes oftentimes through prayer. I, I, I came to tell somebody today that there is power available through, through the Holy Spirit out of the glorious riches of God. That's what Paul's saying here, if you'll ask for it. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, like, like if I'm gonna be rooted and established in anything, wouldn't I want it to be in love? Come on, somebody, doesn't that just make sense? And then he goes on and says, and that you have, well, power. There's power again. He wants, he's praying for power again, together with the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, meaning that, that in my natural state, in, my, in, in just my normal state, it's not, it's not possible for me to understand how much God loves me apart from it being revealed to me, that, that God is love, that, that when I understand this, when I can grasp that he's not, this is not a saying, it's true, he's love, and that he loves me with a love that surpasses knowledge. This is what Paul is praying for his people, and that when it gets revealed to them, when, 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 when they understand and live in the love of God, not the judgment of God or the anger of God that so, much, so many of us grew up with, but the love of God, the grace of God, it changes everything. It changes how we think. It changes how we live. It changes how we act. And when you recognize that's who he is, he's love, and that, that, then you stand from the strength of that there is nothing that I can do to make God love me more. Like I can't earn it any more than I've already been given. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. That, that, that his love for me is not dependent on what I do or what I have. It's just who he is. It's what he's chosen to do. God is love. When that truth overtakes me, suddenly Christianity is not something that I do on a Sunday for an hour. It becomes the essence of my being. It's who I'm called to be. I'm a Christ follower. And I have the power of God inside me so that Christ begins to live in my inner being. That's what Paul's saying here. So suddenly I'm not living for the lower things of this world, the, the achievements, the accomplishments, the stuff that everybody else thinks is so important. Now, I'm not drawn down to that. I have power. Have you ever run across somebody that just has stuff and you're like, man, I don't have what they have? The truth is oftentimes you don't. 
You know why? You, you see these people who are super calm when stuff is crazy around them. People who, they get a bad doctor's report, but they don't melt down. They don't freak out, man. They just got this peace about them. Like, how do you have that kind of peace? You know how? Man, they've tapped into this thing. They've tapped into this power. They got power. They figured out how to flip the switch that was already made available to them. There's power coming to them. Uh, uh, other, all of us are living underneath this spiritually, gloriously rich father, and yet some of us are living like that, and some of us are living like spiritually impoverished, impoverished children because we haven't tapped into what he's made available to us in the heavenly realms because we've been praying these small and vague general prayers. And I'm praying, I'm really praying over this church and over the people who, who would say, this is my home, this is my church. Man, that you would have that power, that supernatural power to understand how much it is that God loves you, how much it is that he's for you, how much good that he has for your life, how much good that he wants to do in your life and through your life, how much he wants to take what you have and use it to help change this world, to make it a better place that one day your life starts to change, maybe because for years you've been dissatisfied or you've been living lonely or insecure or, or, or feeling inadequate and suddenly that starts to melt away from your life because you have tapped into the power of a God who loves you so much and wants so much good for your life. That, that when the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead takes up residency inside of your life, that your identity is no longer based on what you have or what you do or what you've accomplished, but on what God thinks about you and what God has for you. And there is this deep assurance of his love because it's not been naturally learned, but because it's been supernaturally revealed to you. When you start to live out of that, man, things begin to change in your life. So, so let me ask you, what do you need to ask for? What do you need to be praying about this year? What do you need to change in your life? What, what, what is, is, it, is it a family situation, situation? Maybe it's direction in your life. Maybe, maybe you're kind of floundering in life and you're like, man, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to become? What direction am I supposed to walk down? Pray about that. God, would you give me very specific direction? Like, like let me tell you how specific I used to pray because I was like, other dudes would be like, man, God talked to me today. And I'm like, I, I never heard him. You know what I'm saying? Come on, is it just me? Like, you hear these people, God's always saying stuff to them. Like, I'm kind of creeped out by you right now because like, I don't think he does it like the way you're saying. God told me to go to this church. God told me to change the church. God told me, like, God, is God schizophrenic, man? Like how many times does he want you to change your mind about certain things? Come on, is it just me? Like, I'm always a little skeptical of people who are saying, oh, God told me this or that, right? But listen, there have been times in my life where I knew because I would pray such specific prayers. I remember when my wife and I were, were thinking about moving to Mississippi and I was like, God, are we supposed to move to Mississippi? Because I have no clue, because I don't really want to move to Mississippi. Like, it's Mississippi. Like, if you're from there, it's awesome, man. I'm going to stop hating. Last couple weeks ago, I hated on Louisiana and, and Alabama and Mississippi. Um, forgive me for that. I should, those are great places overall in general. <laughs> vague, vague. But we're going to move to this town called Columbia. And I, I know you're going to think this is stupid and weird, but this is how I worked. And I still do stuff like this. He doesn't always answer me this way, but he did this time. And I was like, God, I don't know if we're supposed to go to Columbia or not. I don't even know what Columbia is. I've never been there before, but would you just help us? And my wife were driving around. We were driving around. We were 20, I was 26 years old and she was 21. That's how much younger I scored. You know what I'm saying, fella? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and so we're just driving around praying, God, what do we do? What do, what do, what do we do? And we didn't know what to do. And, but, and we drove by this building, which I had never seen. 
and it said Columbia Bowling Ball Company. Did you know we had that here? I, I don't know if we do anymore, but we did back in the day. And we were like, come on, man, seriously? And then we were driving around another day and I'm driving around and I see Columbia Little League. And I'm like, nah. But I had prayed, God, I'm really dense. Would you give it, would you spell it out to me clear? And the church was called Woodlawn. And one day I'm driving around and I'm praying again because we just didn't know. And God's like, hello, hello. And I passed by and it's like Woodlawn Flower Shop on this van. And I was like, nah. So um, then I'm going to go, I'm a youth pastor at this time. We're going to go play laser tag. And, and I'm looking in the phone book. Back, I don't know if you guys know, there was a thing called phone books back in the old day. And so I'm looking and I find, I was like, oh, and, and, and I find, and it says that this, whatever place I was going to was on wood lawn. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and take that as a yes. You know, that's what we're going to do. Now, so. God doesn't always do stuff like that. But for me, and he's done that to me several times throughout my life, where I was just like, I, I just need you to give me very specific direction about this thing. All I'm saying is pray specific prayers. Ask God for specific things. Maybe you need a healing in your life. Ask God for that. Maybe there's a friend or a loved one who needs help. Ask God about that. Maybe you need God to give you a very specific, tangible help right now. Maybe 2017 was brutal on your finances for some reason. But Jesus said, when you pray, he said, Give us this day our daily bread. That's a very tangible, specific thing. I need help today, God, for this thing. And you can pray like that. Jesus said, pray like this. Don't be afraid to ask. It's a very concrete, specific way to pray. So, so ask and don't be afraid. Pray authentically, right? Just be honest. Remember who it is that you're talking to when you pray. Pray bigger and bolder prayers maybe than you prayed. And, and just, again, don't be afraid to ask God for the impossible. Let me, let me pray over you real quick and then we're gonna let you go. Lord, thanks <clears throat> so very much for this year, 2017. For some of us, it's been a fantastic year. For the others of us, we can't wait till midnight tonight so it can just be over with. Whatever the case is, God, I'm praying that we would lean into this new year, God, in the spirit and the power of prayer, that we wouldn't make it like a, like a side thing, but we'd make it the central tenet of our life seek you in prayer, that, that some of us, we don't know how to pray, that we would just start where we are. We pray however we know how to do, whether that's a minute long or five minutes long, or maybe some of us know how to pray longer than that. Whatever it is that we would pray, God, we would trust you, that we would know that there's a cost to not praying, to not asking. God, I pray that we would just lean into that, that this year we would have an encounter with you that changes our lives, a supernatural encounter with you, God, that you would change our lives, change our directions, change how we are, that you would root us and ground us in our faith. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, just before we um, let you go, I want to make a, a quick announcement. I told you we're going to have one more thing to say. So next week, we told you there's a brand new series starting, and we'd love for you to invite people to it. January the 21st, the third Sunday of the year, is um, what we call best Sunday ever. We do this twice a year. And we give free stuff. Like, we always give you a cool shirt, some new swag, and we're going to be doing that again. So you want to show up on that day. It's always one of our largest crowds of the day. This particular one is going to be a little different in that. On that particular day, we're going to add a third service to the mix. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Now, you're looking around today at this second service, and you're like, why do we need a third service? Well, it's New Year's Eve. Give us a break, all right? Last week, last week um, and the weeks leading up to this, 
this buildings have been have been full in both of our services. Like, and what we've learned about that about folks because we're folks um, is that people don't want to sit next to somebody they don't know, like right up next to them. You don't want to be crowded. Like when you go to a movie theater, aren't you glad when you walk in and see there's plenty of space? Come on. Now, as a pastor, I want the room full. I want y'all yelling at me, going, "Hey man, that's the best thing I ever heard." Yeah, right on. You look skinny today. Yes. Like I want to hear all those things, but like I'm just kidding. But, but, but people in general, particularly people who aren't Christians or who don't go to church or who maybe, they don't want to come in and be shoulder to shoulder with people. We've learned that. And so we know that when the room gets full, we got we to gotta make room. We got to create space. And so we're going to do that on the, 30, on the third Sunday, the 21st, um, not next Sunday. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to have service at 845, 1015, and 1145. Those are our three times, hour, hour and five minutes typically. And what we would love to do in the first service was packed, by the way. That's where everybody's at. They all came to the first service, apparently. The rest, but not everybody, because there's a good number of you here today. And you're awesome, by the way, by the way. Um, um, But what we ask people to do is for six weeks, some of you to commit to coming to that 845. We know that traditionally people are going to go to 10s, services that start with 10 or 11. It's always going to be fuller than services that start with 8. Isn't that just true in general, right? Eight? Oh, that's depressing. Eight is early. Um, But for some of you, just to make a commitment for six weeks, that's all we're asking, just to help us get that service off the ground and growing, um, to create some space in those other two service times, which are going to be the time when, particularly when people who don't know Jesus, who don't go to church normally, would come. Um, And so we ask people to just raise their hand. I might do that. I'll, I'll do that. So I'm going to ask the same, like half the crowd was like, we're like, don't do that. If all of you come at 845, then nobody's going to come at the other two. But, but for those of us, those of you who would be willing to do that, would you just raise your hand real quick? We'd like to see you. Awesome. Thank you. That's a lot of you. Thank you so very much. Um, we're going to make space because this church is always going to be about reaching people who don't know Jesus, who don't even know if they believe in Jesus, who have a million questions that they don't have answered. We're going to always say at LifePoint, everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect and anything's possible. Amen, somebody? So... January 21st, three services, and thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great day. Pastor Andy's coming to tell you something right before we dismiss you.